ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, I, my first reaction is just fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in house in the Central Division. That's right. I'm a meatball. You got to bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Corey, Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. White Sox fans, welcome in. It's the Sox on Tap post game show. Johnny Nani here alongside Tony Marchese. Uh, Tony, it's big brain time. Uh, we had very, very interesting and eventful ball game uh, today, and I'm still try. I think my head still hurts from it. We're just trying to figure this one out. I mean, I've scrolled to Twitter, listened to the you know NBC post game show. I listened a little bit to the ESPN radio post game show. Just I'm. I'm Johnny, I'm having a hard time with this one. I, I really am. And uh, this is going to be a tough show to get through as we try and make sense of everything that took place today. Yeah, right. Obviously, there's a lot of headliners here um, and really hot button issues here. And we'll, we'll definitely get to those, getting those, break those down. It's interesting. I think we actually have a couple um, perspectives uh, that I didn't really consider too much before you and I were kind of brainstorming before this before. Uh, so I'm excited to get to those. But other than that, Tony, I think for me, the most overall kind of overarching thing, is just another game in which you finally score some runs and because offense has just been an issue all year. Um and then in those games where you do score a plethora of runs, nine's a good chunk of runs, you're giving up just as many and more. Um, and we've seen it against Cleveland, that the whole meltdown on like that uh, game a couple of weeks back. Uh, we've seen it at, at other junctures throughout this year. And that just frustrates me to no end because it's like, you know, like our guy Sean Roberts says, it's always something. It is always something, Johnny and, and uh, Sockside Mike's in here. Well, we're going to take some comments uh, coming up here soon. But uh, I mean, Dude, it is always something. And this this day as a White Sox fan, Johnny, before we get into anything else, this day as a White Sox fan starts off just the same way we're sitting right here. You get news before this game that Eloy Jimenez's rehab stint has has stalled out or whatever. I would get into this one here real quick before we talk about this ball game, Johnny. Rick Hahn said that this isn't a setback. It's, uh, you know, just a, a slowdown or a little delay. I, I don't know how lawyers can make things sound, you know, like not what they are. But, you know, Rick Hahn doesn't think that this is a setback, but he also doesn't think Eli's injury prone either. So we got that going for us. I mean, it, 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 the day started shitty. Then you see the White Sox come out, score four runs uh, before the Dodgers do. Things are feeling good. But, man, like I want your thoughts on the Eli thing before we get into the ballgame. Just – real quick here right yeah no that's an interesting one because like you said i mean there's always a lot of lawyer speak involved um honestly my thoughts going back from the beginning of it i thought it was a little early for him to even be starting a rehab assignment when they had said he was going initially so i i gotta say i can't say i'm completely shocked by this but you would think that with a guy that's had repeated uh ailments um that they would take this a little bit slower from the get-go. Obviously, it's great. You want to get everybody back as soon as humanly possible, especially with the way things are going. But 
I thought it was a little rushed from the get-go, and I think then you're seeing a, a consequence of that here uh, in this setback because now he has to wait five days before he can begin another one because that's just the formal uh, you know, um, transactional uh, terms for it. Yeah, and uh, it's that's interesting that you thought it was early. I I, I didn't really put that in perspective uh, too much here, Johnny. And obviously, want you know the team to get back fully healthy as soon as possible. Maybe he's rushing a little bit. I don't I don't know. Maybe that's why Rick Hahn says it's not a not a setback. But you know, it's it's just one of those things. As we said, it's always something, and that's why I, I had to bring it up because that was the topic of conversation before today's yeah, game well, started. Uh, maybe it is technically by Rick's standards here. If we're going, this is big brain time after all, right? This is the name of stuff. Yeah. If it's big brain time from their original timeline that they set right after the injury, before they're even close to him, uh, probably before the surgery, even or you know, right after the surgery happened, before he's even close to you know walking again. Um, with that timeline, maybe it still lines up, and that's why he can technically claim it's not a setback in uh, lawyer speak. Maybe that, maybe that's what he's going for there. Who knows? Not in his <laughs> brain right now. Yeah, uh, we, we're, we're in big brain time here. It's big brain time with socks on tap here uh, on this very, very eventful Thursday. That was the first one there, Eloy. Um, now uh, let's t- talk a little bit about this game. And Tony it wasn't wasn't all bad. I know the end result. Yes, it, it was all bad. It was another loss for the White Sox. Anytime that happens, it's not it's not good. It's not great, Bob. Um, but like you'd mentioned, White Sox put four on the board before the Dodgers even score. Um, we got heard from a country that we haven't in a long while. Josh Harrison uh, starting things off with a double, a leadoff, or excuse me, a leadoff triple um, in that third inning. And then uh, Danny Mendick able to bring him home uh, on an RBI ground out there. Uh, that should have been a good omen uh, for today, especially what happened in the following innings with, uh, you know, um, White Sox able to add on three more and string together hits because that was something that I think they finally started doing what Sunday in Tampa Bay. And you just wanted to see that finally click into full gear. So it was nice to see a taste of it at least. It was Johnny. And you know what? The, just go back. I mean, you start this series, you shut the Dodgers out. I mean, you come out of Tampa, you have a little bit of momentum. And once again, this team, uh, they grab some momentum uh, over the course of a couple of ball games, and then you know you start to run into some things. I, I thought from the beginning of this game, um, you know, when we're, we're dealing with this four-run lead, you started you see, you see a crooked number, like okay, this this might be good. I mean, Dylan Cease is kind of cruising through some stuff, uh, looked really really crisp in the early going, and you know we'll get to the unraveling point. But up until then, man, like you started to think, hey, I've got this series against the Dodgers. You just took a series against uh, Tampa Bay. This is the last day of the the hardest stretch of your schedule. Um, and it, you're looking really good in the early going of this ball game to really come out of this thing and be like, as a White Sox fan, like, wow, we just made it through the toughest stretch. Now we get to kind of get into that portion of the schedule where you can kind of rack up some wins here. And, you know, things felt good. It was, I was on a high note when we are up for yeah. nothing. Yeah, no, I was too. And it, because early on things were crisp for the most part, Tony. Um, and that unraveled um, fairly quick. I talked about with this point here, but that's just an overarching theme for the season. Very few, um, as our guy NWS Steve likes to say, clean, crisp ball games this year. 
Uh, and that's an issue. I, I want to win clean, crisp ball games because that's what good baseball teams do. Mm-hmm. And right now, the White Sox are just so mediocre. They, they're just middling, right? You can see it in their record. Would uh, that, you say that, they're they're mired in mediocrity? Yeah, right. They are, and that's exactly what Rickon wanted to get out of uh, when we embarked on this whole uh, house building project, right? Yes. Um, so I'm all still right. looking. I'm still looking I, for a lawyer to sue the contract. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. All right. Uh, I, we had a good comment come through here from Zach, and I think it's a good start starting point for when we talk about this thing unraveling. It says TLR wasn't the only contributor to the loss. Obviously, there, we'll get to him. There are plenty, pl- much to say about him later. But continuing on from Zachside, Mike he says, let's not forget the start of the spiral was Berger's defensive mistake that cost five runs in the grand scheme of things. Yes, um, this should not be overlooked. I know the more hot button um, talked about issue in the media and rightfully so because Tony's the one that's got to meet with the media and all that. I understand that, but when you're talking on the field, things that contributed to the white Sox downfall today, it's Jake Berger at third base. And man, this is such a conundrum, Tony, because I love his bat and hell he homers again to help try and, you know, get back from some of these mistakes. But, when you're having these balls that are, let's be honest, probably plays made by Yohan Mankata. It's tough to watch. And you're just putting that extra stress on the arm when you're talking about, oh yeah, sure. Tony should have gotten someone up earlier to get cease out of there uh, in that uh, fifth inning, but he doesn't get to that point. If Berger makes some plays here. Well, I mean, here's the thing, Jake Berger, this is his, I mean, really, I mean, he, he played a little bit last year, but this is his first, foray into major league baseball there's going to be mistakes made on defense there's going to be mistakes made at the plate but overall jake berger has shown up here and done what yoan moncada is supposed to be fucking doing every day in the lineup in the lineup every damn day and that's the biggest problem here is you're you've got your, your 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 superstar guy who can make that play on defense sitting on the bench fucking laughing with his teammates and not giving a shit his, about what's going on. His bat's ice cold. Yeah. Well, his bat's ice cold. That's well, a reason, but why? But, you know, he's, he's, he's yeah. coming in as a defensive relief, played in the, in the game the other day. I don't know if they're resting his legs, whatever it is. There's something wrong here where you have Jake Berger yeah. getting most of the start. Is, is Yohan Mankata a platoon player at this point, Johnny? Because that's what it dude, fucking it feel, feels like. Dude, honestly, with him and Yaz, that's what it feels like just with A, the excuse me, performance to date. That has basically been, they haven't been the best options on some days. It's ass, like you'd think that you'd never even like fathom that as a White Sox fan, right? Coming into the season, I would, you know, not ever even consider that. But with the way it's gone down, that's seriously what it feels like at this point. Yeah. I mean, dude, it's, it's <laughs> Scott, Scott Moreno says hungover, probably. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> this just, it bothers me. But let's get, let's get into Jake Berger's mistake here. You know, yeah, he's going to have those plays happen to him. It could happen to anybody. It's really unfortunate that this is this is the play that unravels it. You, obviously, the response from Jake is go out and hit a home run. I mean, that's kind of fucking cool and tough, if you ask me. Johnny, like, he knows. He knows about it. And I think right. and he, Berger, and he owned, overall, yeah, he's he, he, he knows it. what he did. He owned it. He went back to try and make up for it. There was another play later on in the game where he kind of bothered you. See him run. He knows he's a gamer. He's a competitor. That's what I like about Jake Berger. Obviously, he knows that that that, that unraveled because of that play. And you know, sometimes that's going to happen to you on the ball field. Yeah. the The most important thing is your your response to it and, and how you recover from it and where you go from there. 
honestly, man, I, yeah, it, that it, one just sucks. Let's, I don't want to pile on Jake Berger here because let's just talk talking through a little bit of this. This is the first, you know, the fifth inning here. Um, we're talking. It was a strikeout to start the inning, so that's a good start. But Bellinger single is okay, good player. Um, Gavin Lux walks, so you're talking about cease when you, you know, but pretty solid to start, but losing command a little bit, and that would uh, come back to haunt him a little bit later as well. Too. Um, and then that's when the burger play happens with it was a, technically a fielder's choice um, uh, and an error on that same play um, by Jake Berger uh, that Barnes had hit. Um, and that then moves the line along Mookie Betts, who strikes out. Uh, but then Freddie Freeman uh, busts things open with a double there. It's just it's so weird that, you know, that one instance, I think it's just odd to me when I go and look at a line. Dylan Cease at the end of the game here. Uh, <laughs> four and two-thirds, six hits, six runs, none of them earned. That's just like he's had some mind-blowing lines this year. I think Michael Kopech had a few of them too, uh, but more, I think, command on his part there. But it's just wild how one play – got to be – this just it highlights the importance of being – dialed in every single pitch because one play can change, you know, the whole trajectory of a game here. That's baseball, baby. Like you just have to, if you're Dylan Cease in that, in that scenario, man, like you have to kind of just, you know, work over that. And that's something that if we go back a couple of years on this show, Johnny, um, and, you know, we talked about this a little bit uh, during the game, texting back and forth. I said, Dylan Cease in the no good, very bad, horrible inning. And here we are again. And yeah, it's not a hundred percent on Dylan Cease for not being able to get through that. Obviously, you could have been out of that inning multiple times, but you gotta just find ways to limit damage, weather the storm, and get through it and, and keep that lead there. You know, I, I heard a lot of uh chat back and forth. You know, there's obviously one big Tony LaRusso thing we'll talk about. But there were people who were like, why Why did you leave Dylan Cease in here that long? In the post-game press conference, I kind of respected the fact that, yeah, this is his inning. Who else is going to come right. in there? As, as, I, as a White Sox fan, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, like, yeah, this guy's got 100 pitches or whatever. But at what point did, like, 100 pitches, like, just really become that limit? You know, for a starter who's out there competing, you had the four-run lead entering – he strikes out Mookie Betts. I, I still agree with this. When, yeah, he, when right. he struck he, him out, I'm like, we're fucking golden here. Yeah, I've, I've, I felt good after that, too. Happen. Yeah, And you, I would say my I, – because I don't think it was right after this. I would have gone – as soon as Freeman um, hit that double, I would have at least got someone up and moving. That That's where I would yes. have differed here when you're talking decision-making. But that, that was not – and Tony stuck with it, and maybe it's a little hard-headed, but he did explain that after and say that it was his inning. And I – you know, in certain aspects, I uh, agree with it a little bit because you got to learn to you know work through some of these. And I know you don't want to leave guys hanging out to dry. I'm not saying that that should be the you know the, the strategy there because that's that's a losing strategy. But at the same time, go in with a mentality. And his pitch count was good before that, and even then, in this middle juncture there, after Freeman hits that, you get someone going right away. And then if it spirals further than that, then you go send cats out there and you have a little, you know, time to talk, let this guy get loose. Then you come back and then you send Yaz out there and then you just, then you buy yourself that time. And you can do that strategically um, while kind of moving it along uh, to, you know, like I said, buy yourself that time if you were going to be committed to him as the full inning before. Um, so I think TLR's decision there was not soon enough 
to get someone up and going. But I agree with, honestly, the overall, because, uh, you know, Mookie Betts could have very easily done the damage there. But he gets him, a super hot hitter. And, Tony, just when I'm looking at this lineup, and I'm looking at all these guys, obviously the Dodgers just have a stacked lineup. Freeman didn't do shit in, like, the first game of of the series and uh, not much in the second i don't think either and then you knew it was you knew it was time you knew it was coming you knew he was going to uh, lay down the hammer at some point and unfortunately let's that yeah, let's here. not forget <laughs> let's not forget the dodgers lineup either like let's not forget the fact that these guys are like probably if not the favorite in the nl johnny um so this is i mean this is a good baseball team this is a good baseball team they were facing and freddie freeman's gonna get you at least once in every series it feels like yeah, no, that, that's that was my point, dude. And and it's also it was just kind of like a like a feel touch and feel thing. So it's like it, it seemed odd when I was watching Tuesday night, and I was like, eh, how does Freddie Freeman not done anything yet here? How was how they not score uh, Tuesday night? That was that was wild to me. But anyway, uh, we we ended up getting through. Uh, it gets to a point where um, Turner uh, adds on a single after that. Muncie doubles and uh, Will Smith walks, and that's when. Uh, Cease finally gets the hook there. Um, then Matt Foster comes in and wild pitch uh, allows a run uh, after that. And it's just uh, such a momentum swing, Tony, from going up 4 0. <laughs> Every single time the very I next, see the, the wild pitch. It, it's yeah, it, it's what it's one thing if a team chips away at you, right? But it's super demoralizing when they flip the script on you. Yeah, and, and and that's what happened. This goes back to the it's always something thing that we talk about. Um, yeah, it's just it's brutal. Brutal. Chalk it up is brutal. Yep, brutal. El Brutal. All right, um, now we've unfortunately got uh, – okay, the, the, in between here, this is the burger instance here um, in the bottom of the fifth. Jake Berger making up for at least one of his mistakes here um, with an absolute shot. Tony, I just need to just comment. This guy murders baseballs. When he hits it, there's nothing cheap. There's nothing poked out to right field. He pulls them and he hits some freaking screaming line drives. Is he the best home run hitter on the Chicago White Sox right now? He damn well might be. Um, it, the bat just plays. It has yeah. to be in the lineup. That's and you know what? I just talked about it earlier. That bat is probably going to continue to be in the lineup for the near foreseeable future, and I'm happy it, with that. It, it absolutely should, and I don't think uh, you know. Like I said, it'd be one thing if if Jake, uh, you know, was a complete blunder defensively and never owned up to it or tried to work towards it. It's still very like let's talk the limited action he had last year combined. Um, with a earlier, you know, call up due to injuries and then going down to Charlotte and then now coming back up for this stint here. Um, it's a limited small size, but obviously we can see the bat can play and the White Sox need that, especially when you're big bopper, one of them in, in Yasmani Grandal and then another uh, should be in Yohan Mankata aren't doing shit this year in terms of power production. So you absolutely need it, but I think this just kind of goes back and we, this is a more of an off season topic, but it's a roster construction of having a lot of the same type of players this is where it's biting you, man, because then you get some of the fielding issues that compound uh, walks and yada, yada, and it starts to slide downhill. Um, but you need the bat in the lineup. I, I don't think you can. anyone can deny that. You do. And until the bat cools off, I, I think Jake Berger is going to be playing five, six days a week at the at the bare minimum, if not seven. Uh, you know, he should be in the middle of this lineup almost every day at this point. I concur. All right, let's uh, move on to the sixth inning, and this is where uh, the 
intentional walk decision. Uh, this is, is we're just going to get right to it here. Setting up Bennett Souza uh, replaces Matt Foster. Uh, Lux single. Uh, Souza gets a fly out of Barnes. Uh, Mookie Betts grounds out here. This is another instance, not totally Jake Burger's fault. He does make a play here, but um, maybe if you could turn a double play here, we're not even talking about what's going to come next here, but just leaving that Mookie Betts grounds out. Uh, Lux to second on that play. So you got two outs here in this situation. Freddie Freeman singles home walks. Okay, 7-5 ball game. It still limits some damage here. Um, and now you've got Trey Turner up to the plate. Okay. Gets Bennett Souza gets Trey Turner 0-2. This is setting up the scenario here. And then his next is we got Freddie Freeman on first after he just singled in locks. Wild pitch goes in the dirt, gets past Grandall. Um Tur- excuse me, Freeman goes to second base. And then Tony Larusa makes the call. This is a one-two count now. After that wild pitch with a man on second, two outs, Tony Larissa makes the call to have an intentional walk, put Turner on because a lefty was coming up and obviously a lefty is on the mound in Bennett Souza. So that's just the basics of it there, Tony. Right from the get-go, not looking at numbers, anything here. My common sense, just as a feel from a baseball standpoint as a foreign pitcher, I would go and nibble the edges and try to get him to chase. You still got a couple to work with there at one and two. That would be my first in, in uh, intuition there. I, I would tend to agree with you. And, and you know, just uh, we're, we'll bring numbers into this in, in a little bit, but one and two count, right? Any baseball game, you got Trey Turner. He's a great hitter. Um, I'm on the mound. I'm in the dugout, whatever. I'm behind the plate. I'm the catcher. I'm not giving him shit to hit the rest of this at bat. If you wind up walking him, fine. Let it play out. Um, you got a chance to make a, a, a huge sure. out in this baseball game uh, by getting Trey Turner to strike out. Get out of the inning. Um, try to get him yeah, to chase. That's the... try and get him to chase. Throw throw junk. Throw junk. That's what I. Right. That's yeah. where, that's where my head is. Right. Maybe I'm not intentionally walking him, but I'm gonna unintentionally intentionally walk this fucker by not giving him anything over the plate. To hit that's just that's my first yeah. inkling as well johnny because you got you've got you got at least two shots three shots at it there right to be able to yeah you've got three shots at it to throw your you know your pitch outside that's he's going to try get him to chase uh maybe if you look stupid on it great then you're out of the inning but either way alas this is a decision that was made and then after things start to unravel further because max muncie comes up uh took you know uh as some motivation there uh, has not been great against lefties so far this year. Obviously, he's had a little bit of an injury plague uh, stint uh, and coming back from an injury at the end of last year. Um, but he homers out in this one, kind of rips the uh, bandaid off it, lets the bleeding happen. And uh, 10-5 at this point there. Uh, Lopez comes in, replaces Souza here. But this is the firestorm. And I think a, a lot of it was the response uh, afterward, Tony, um, when you're talking about this decision and Larissa said he kind of just dismissed it. And the, the combative tone uh, of what he said was, I think what really kind of set people off. I don't know if you were able to catch uh, his commentary on that. I was Johnny. I was able to catch the entire, uh, you know, at least portion of his press conference. It was broadcast. Um, Probably would have went about, that a little bit differently if it were me there, but again, it's not, Um, you know, I think to an extent, if you go out to the media and, you know, cause he kind of questioned like, did anybody think that that was a bad decision? He knew, he knew. 
Um, I'm sure he heard it from people in the dugout. I'm sure he heard it from players. I'm sure somebody walked up to him at some point and was like, man, what the fuck was that? Um, and, you know, uh, to an extent, Larusa La- La- La is, as, as we've learned, going to do what he's going to do over and over again. And there's there's so many people who are going to question him. I, there, there's not a coach in this city, Johnny, outside of, in my lifetime, really feels like, outside of like Quenville when the Hawks were winning cups. that like, And even he was questioned. Like, towards the end of this, he was like, everybody eventually hates the manager, right? So the manager, coach, whoever it is. I mean, you just, you watch Matt Nagy get, you know, run out of town. You, we watched, uh, who was the Bulls manager that, that Buzz just hated? I, I can't even Jim remember. Jim Boylan. Jim Boylan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, people had billboards to, to fire that guy. Yeah. Um, you know, we, like every, that's just such a mentality here. And that this is, this is totally different though. Tony LaRussa, he, he knows how to handle the media at this point. I think he knew that they were going to come in there and try and draw a narrative. But again, like on paper, like common sense, like this baseball situation, yeah, I, it just feels like so little league to me, like on, on the surface, right on the surface of this, it, it feels so like, common sense and, and i see some comments in here right. scott moreno this is the first time since 2013 there was somebody called in on the espn post game show that said it never happened in the history of baseball i've seen 17 different fucking stats for how many times that this has happened before or never happened before because everybody's just going to throw out that information i haven't seen anything factual yet i haven't gone and looked but i've heard so many different variations of of, of you know how many times this has happened before. regardless um you know, I think that it, it kind of comes down to the fact that, like, this is kind of like checkmate almost from, like, the people who've been, you know, wanting yeah. a, a different manager. I mean, I, I've supported uh, Tony La Russa through most of this. I'll be honest. If you listen to the show all the time, I, I think it's it, it's kind of interesting because you've got a guy who, you know, uh, out of people who are alive, I believe, he's one of the most winning managers of all time. He's he's won world series. He's, he's done more on the baseball field in the, in the dugout for teams than pretty much anybody else that's walking on this fucking earth. But then you come to situations like this and we'll get into numbers and and his reasoning and all this other stuff where he acts above everyone. He acts above the media. He talks about how this was, you know, like he, he almost basically wrote it off. Like I dare somebody to tell me that that was a bad decision. Yeah. And to an extent, uh, he yeah, he, 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 nobody's going to want to hear that. And it's only going to make the fire worse. Right. And I I wish I could just get a better explanation fully because I want to look I want to look at these numbers. You'd say we're going to get into numbers. I, I want to just throw out a few here because there are some career versus recent trends here that I just want to look at. And I at the end of the day, I would just go with the fucking common sense of I'm going to at least try and get this Big guy brain time. I'm just going to go. Yeah, we're, I think we're really overthinking this, but let's get into it since we're, we're already in the debacle here. Tony, Let, let's get into it. This is via Joe Sheehan on Twitter. It's Trey Turner career. Versus lefties after one and two uh, counts. Uh, 258, 310, 390 slash line. Now, Souza's career versus righties after one and two counts, 167, 286, 167 slash line. So obviously playing pretty damn well in Souza's favor there uh, with uh, the two strikes there. Now, when you're talking about Muncie, what he went for there, 
uh, career versus left-handed pitchers. You got to remember, it's not like count transfers over. You got a fresh count here when you bring up Max Muncy. Uh, career versus lefties, 251, 365, 492 slash line. Sousa, career versus lefties, um, 300, 389, 367. Okay, you had some re- more recent ones. I believe it was John Boy that I brought up because I like the recent trends too. But I will say, like I said, I would just go back to the common sense thing and not overthink this. But for this sake of drawing out the whole situation, go ahead and read me the others. Yeah, so uh, John Boy actually tweeted something uh, about an hour ago. Um, and he said, do you know what he hits against left-handed pitching with two strikes? Do you know what months he hits against left-handed pitching? Trey Turner... Uh, against lefties with two strikes uh, this year and 27 at-bats. He's got seven hits, three walks, has struck out 11 times. So I'm not saying that's not possible, but he's hitting 259, 333, 370. Uh, Muncy versus lefties overall this season in 40 at-bats, only has five hits, has walked 10 times, has struck out eight. He's hitting 125, 300, 150. Um, so that's, that's what they're at on the year entering that play right there. Okay. Interesting. When you're talking about the career, like I said, I don't know if career would be the best uh, thing to go off. I mean, it does give you like a baseline to start with, but it's, what have you done for me lately? Uh, how, you know, you're always good as your last envelope, right? Uh, mm-hmm. all that, uh, that whole mentality there. And like, I want to go to the point that we had talked about in your, so you're talking about career numbers and using that versus recency. You'd absolutely pitch Diazmani Grandal this year. Or is it the end of last year when he came back from injury and was arguably the best hitter in baseball? No fucking way. You just put him on first base, right? Yep. And, so and this is there's that, this, there's the, that the, balance. There, there is there is that factor. I mean, if you look at this White Sox lineup right now, Yaz is the perfect example of of Max Muncy. Not not totally, but just in that situation where it's like here's a guy that's underperforming right now. And I think that that kind of puts some of the, the cinematic element on it. Right. So take ourselves out of the situation as white Sox fans, this was fucking, this is like getting stabbed. Um, And it feels like getting stabbed because then you, we've got to go and and deal with the whole manager situation and the, and the walk and all this other stuff. But it's kind of cinematic if you're a Dodgers fan, right? Like you got to be sitting there going like, here's this dude who's struggled so far this year. And this just lit him up. This, this got him on fire. You you saw Max Muncy cross home plate, very animated. It's not the first time this has happened to the White Sox. You've seen Josh Donaldson doing it. You've seen Yankees come yeah. in here and do it to us. Um, I'm tired of getting punched like that. Yeah. It's embarrassing. It is. It is embarrassing. I want, I want our guys to get up and show that kind of emotion. Yeah, no, I do too. And it's I just the, the decision to do that in and of itself, whatever. You go ahead and quantify it how you want. Like I said, I would have just stuck with the common sense and tried as Bennett Souza. I'm trying to get that guy there. But obviously, Tony Lewis didn't give him that opportunity. But I would put myself in those shoes if I were the manager. That's me. I've said that's my stance on it. But when you're talking about the implications of that, then not beyond the numbers of Turner versus Muncie stats there, it's Max Muncie obviously took exception to that. And he, he had did. a little extra fire, a little extra motivation behind him. And he had said uh, in the, you know, the whatever sports at LA uh, in their post game interview with him, he had said, yeah, no, he's like, yeah, I got a little like animated there and emotional. He's like, but yeah, I definitely took that as a factor for motivation. I don't want to remember people were bitching last year about uh, Tony LaRusso saying now the Astros are, uh, or Ryan Tapera's comments about uh, the Astros is going to be different, you know, and this and that people said, Oh no, don't go throw fuel on the fire and yada, yada, yada and all of that. Um, well, 
this is the same thing. It just came from a different source. <laughs> it, threw, it threw fuel on the fire here. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, there's a couple of comments in here uh, that, that uh, you know, I'm, I'm reading these as they come in. Scott, thank you for saying where that came from um, uh, on the CHGO postgame show. Uh, you know, Sockside Mike, he's in a lose-lose situation with his fan base, win or lose. Um, you know, that's that's certainly an interesting take on this one. Um, you know, Scott Marino uh, had a comment in here. I don't think so, Mike, if he just did things that make sense to everyone but him. I think that's kind of a hard thing to do, Scott, honestly, um, especially for somebody who's won that many baseball games. You kind of become hardened in your career. Just I think to- he's... It makes sense. I know you said he knows how to handle the media, but um, this is, I think uh, he didn't handle the media very well. Today. Right? I think okay. He came out, that's, so that's, that's what I was going to say. He's, yes. He's, I don't think he's I don't not think he explaining handled, this shit well. No, he's not explaining this shit well, and I think that's that it's something that makes this worse is because he comes out and he Be, looks combative. You know, but right. yes, he and, is. He is kind of in a lose lose situation. I, I'm wondering if he knows well, that it was wrong, and he like. I don't know. Like I, I'm just, I'm really curious. Like, I'm going to double the, down here. I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm just going to double it, dude. It's like when you're like, you, you fucking put all your chips in at the poker table yep. and you're looking at somebody across, like, you know, yeah. like they're going to come out here and go drag you. Yeah. Your only way to not get dragged yeah, is it's... to just look fucking confident. Like you're in that situation. All right. I lost whatever. And, and, you know, sometimes people want to see the humility. They want to see them admit defeat. Right. Well, I would almost argue, Johnny, though, the, that if he comes out there and says, yeah, that was a boneheaded fucking move, that was terrible. Yeah. Th- that's how you it's, lose your locker room. Well, this is where you talk about lose, lose. There's no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but I agree. Lose, there, lose, there, lose. There, there's there's implications beyond yeah. that. I, I like that you brought up the, you know, lose your locker room sort of uh, aspect there. But people people can debate that that's already been lost. Right. Um, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's uh, we're not in there. I, if I was a fly on the wall, I could tell you more. But I'm not. But so that, that's but, where I'm interested. Um, that's where it, I'm interested. What was it? I'm, Johnny, yeah, I'm really interested to see it's just what, interesting. Happens, what happens next. Like, is a player going to get asked about this? What are they going to say? Because it was interesting yeah. when Dave Roberts said, right, I'm not going to be one to question Tony La Russa. Like, yeah. I wouldn't have done that, but I'm not going to be one to question well, Tony LaRusso. So that to me is like, okay. Want, you like, might want to a little bit. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's healthy too. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you might want to, but like, let's, I don't know. I just feel like as a fan base, not a lot of people put respect on his name because a lot of people wanted AJ Hinch here. And so I'm not trying to sit here and say that his decision today was right. I wouldn't have fucking done it. Even no. if I had those stats available, I probably wouldn't have done it. I just wouldn't have. It, it goes back to the baseball yeah. and the emotion of and, and and what's going on in that situation. Yeah. One thing that I've got a problem with is, and I'll go back to situations where the White Sox have let their pitchers pitch against big hitters. Lance Lynn, Vlad Guerrero Jr., prime example number yeah. one for me, Johnny. Last year, yeah. From last year. Tony La Russa let Lance Lynn go in a situation against right. Vlad Guerrero Jr., and it wound up very poorly. Was this could could it have been an overreaction to stuff like that that's happened before with this White Sox crew, even last year, where we've had big pitchers go against guys that we shouldn't be going against? You know, the pitchers got an ego too. I feel like in this situation, like just just hypothetically, if Lance Lynn's on the mound in this situation, say the game's going a little bit different, you got Trey Turner there. Lance Lynn's gonna get that intentional walk call. And be like, no, fuck you. I'm not doing it. Yeah. Unless Tony LaRusa takes it out of his hands. And that was something that we sat here on the show and talked about yeah. and said, I want Tony LaRusa to take it out of someone's hands 
and and just call for the intentional walk in these situations. Now, two strikes adds a whole extra element to it. Right. But again, on the other side, I feel like we've had this talk before with it being completely different. Yes. No, we have. I think the circumstances are different because each game, it can be, it's all subjective. It's all, it's all about the recent trends. It's all about the, you know, the emotion of the game, the, uh, the flow of the game. Um, you know, what, like I said, that, that was obviously a motivator for Max Muncy there and the two strikes. I just told, I, I can't get over that, but we were talking about the, those decisions there. You talked about taking the ball out of his hands. I talk about physically taking the ball out of his hands and Scott made a good comment, Scott Moreno in the comments here. Sousa shouldn't have been pitching there in the first place. I had thought that too against this lineup. Sure. If you're playing the Royals, the Tigers, I don't, okay. I can do with Bennett. Susie could probably, you know, get his way through that. When you're playing a, a, a murderer's row lineup, like the Dodgers, I wouldn't have gone to uh, Bennett Souza there. That's just me though. From the get go out of, you know, elected elsewhere. Honestly, I, it's how much weird. does this team miss Garrett crochet right now? Right. Yeah. That's, that's uh I just missed the SpongeBob backpack yeah. and the hundred mile per hour version of Garrett Crochet. Yeah, no, and he he would he would have been a big uh, key uh, contributor in these spots, and you probably would have seen him uh, in a spot like that today. Um, Sackside Mike in here. This is where we need Joe out, Kelly. Yeah. This is where we need Joe Kelly against the Dodgers would have been really fun. Yeah, that would have been fun to see. Damn it, those injuries, man. All right, um, Tony, that we, we drew that thing out there, but that, I think that was some good discussion. A lot of factors covered there uh, when it comes to that. I will re- reiterate it once again. And take all the numbers away, and I would have just gone with a common sense, at least off the top of my head, baseball kind of inkling. I would have tried to just get him to chase something. We've already got him down one, two. Just try to get him to chase something. Maybe get lucky. And if you don't, okay, then that's whatever. On to the next one. And it was the first base is open anyway. And you got a force. Okay, whatever. <laughs> let's 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 move on. Tony, the White Sox did make a little bit of rally uh, at the end of this game here. Um, it, it was kind of interesting to see because you kind of feel, like I said, pretty demoralizing uh, with, with that three-run shot uh, by Muncie, making it, you know, doubling up the lead, making it 10-5. But um, this is kind of just, uh, yeah, it's good to see him rally. But at the same time, we're not into silver linings. And also, it's just another thing of, oh, the offense can finally score here, but it's when it's almost uh, out of reach. Or, um, like I said, we're finally putting up runs, but also giving up. All of these, however way you want to look at that, there, uh, this late inning rally, uh, getting two back in each the eighth and the ninth inning, made it exciting during the time there. But overall, I think kind of lets me down even more. <laughs> it does because this team can get themselves back in striking distance so well. But I mean, let's let's take some of these the the defensive stuff out of it. Sox could have scored probably you know five six more runs today. Uh, you know, given a couple of extra opportunistic hits, Johnny, um, and and this ball game would be much different. Uh, I'm still waiting for my boy Gavin Sheets to start like hitting home runs. I wanted the Gavin Sheets magic to end this ball game. Oh man, um, that would have been sweet. It would have oh. been sweet. I, I, I would be having the best post game show of my life uh, if that were the case. But you know, th- there's still I think work to do with this offense and getting some bats going and getting, you know, other guys going to you on Moncada looks putrid Yasmani Grandal needs to pick it up. I think Jose Abreu needs to leave the yard, you know, a couple of times a week. Um, maybe he can take some tips from Jake Berger on how to swing a hot bat right now. Um, you know, it, it, Gavin Sheets has just not 
been what you want to see. Uh, there's a lot of people calling for him to go down. Uh, up until that triple from Josh Harrison, uh, there's there's work to be done there. There's too many automatic outs yeah. in this lineup right now mm. still. I will say a guy that can help lead the way is A.J. Pollock, though. He has been um, – he really stepped it up, especially against his former team here uh, with the you know run-scoring doubles um, that he was able to lace out there. So I like seeing that from him. But like you, all those names that you would mentioned there, it's a, it's a whole group thing. It's not just, it's not just on one guy. Um, I think Yaz and Yoan are probably the biggest two that you go and you circle in there, right? When you're talking about expectations versus performance level, which is actually wait, sorry, I had to get to the ground there to show their, where their performance level is. Um, but it's, it's the role guy stepping up too. It's, it's it's the role guy stepping up too when you're talking about Gavin Sheets because I you know I've, you and me have shared some frustrations on here because I want to see the long ball and I saw it last year and I got a taste of it and I was like damn yeah. it's like this is some lefty power which we've lacked for so long um I I don't know exactly what the fix is for specifically for some of those guys man I thought Yaz would have just had a you know a turnaround or just started walking more to help get himself back into it but that's not, that's not even the case. And it's, it's just, I know, I know we did have, did have a single today that had to drive in a couple. So I guess we're looking for granted. I think that was like an infield kind of uh, and knock around job there, but still regardless is like that little flick job out in uh, Tampa Bay Sunday. Um, it, it, you got to start driving the ball uh, with these guys. And that's all I can say, especially that. And you want know, if we could just get in the lineup consistently here, then we, you know, obviously we want Jake Berger's bat in the lineup here. Um, but man, how are you going to get hot if you can't stay in the lineup consistently? You're not. And, and that's, that, that's the other thing too. And I just want to bring up the, once again, this is a Lurie Garcia slander free zone. So we're not on, on Lurie's back, but I'll give you, I'll just, I'll just give you the floor here. Well, he just shouldn't you know. have been batting lead off last night. That's all. That was, uh, that was yeah. just a TLR decision that they shouldn't have been yeah, batting lead off. You know, big brain time once again. It's big brain time here on Zox on tap. Yeah, I just I don't I don't understand I don't understand it. I don't understand it, man. I don't understand it because he makes it too he makes it too easy um, to just question things sometimes. Uh, you know, I think when we look at this offense as a whole, you've you've faced some really good some really good teams with some really good pitching. The Dodgers came in here and threw two guys that I believe had spotless records. And I'm not going to go into pitcher wins and losses as a, as a valuable, like valuable stat, Johnny. But I, I do think when you get start to get guys seven and oh, nine and oh, in their decisions, it, it normally means that they've pitched well throughout the course of the season. Um, the Sox offense, they're not at full strength. They just went through, some of the toughest portions of the schedule. I, I I hope that when we're talking in two weeks, some of these other teams that they're playing with, you know, less, I guess, uh, playoff ready pitching staffs ignites this White Sox offense. That's yes. my hope down yep. the road here and that, is that we're talking hmm. about the team scoring 10 runs and winning, because even if you make an error, this, Right, all star caliber lineup doesn't go fucking bury you. Yes, you no, know, that's a good point. And I, I was, you know, I was talking about this with some people that were just sitting by me. I didn't know the guys, but nice fellows at the game the other night. 
And they had, they just asked, you know, what, what are you optimistic, pessimistic right now? It's a, you know, just leaning a little bit pessimistic here because of just the, you know, not performing up to expectations and uh, the lack of offense total. And for, especially from some of those big guys issues that we've laid out in the show, Tony. But then I also said, now, if you want to go and look at the other side here, what we're playing. Yeah, sure. It sucks. You don't want to be under 500 for third place for a team that's supposed to have, uh, you know, uh, championship aspirations. Right. I don't think anyone's, uh, deterred from that goal, or at least that was a goal entering the season, and that should be the benchmark. Um, we're 26 29 now, but like you had said, you were just in that real tough stretch schedule. Probably one of it was one of the hardest, uh, via that graph that Jay Kuda put up the other day. One of the hardest strengths of schedules, and now it gets to be one of the easiest down the stretch. So, sure, call them the bum slayers if you want, but um, at the same time, if this stretch had come, the harder stretch had come at the end of the season, and you already built up a base. Would you be talking about this a little bit differently? Sure, you might have some concerns about how you match up individually with some of these teams, but either way, if you had built yourself up that base with you know some bumps lane early in the year and the strength of schedules are flipped here, I think the tone would just be a little different surrounding the team, don't you? I do, and you know what, Johnny? I, I, I just want to go back to last year, right? The Sox, I don't know what the record is that they finished, but they handled the Yankees fairly well. They handled Tampa Bay really well. Um you know, Toronto was a was a thing. Uh, you got to win against the Dodgers. Obviously, I feel like they should have taken two out of three here. But when I was looking at this series going into it, before you 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 rattled those off in in Tampa, I mean, there were people who were sitting here, even NWI Steve. I'll I'll say Steve. You probably would have thought that they could have went on a nine game losing streak over these past couple series. And you know what? Sure, it looked like it Justif- being in Toronto, Justifiably right? so. Justifiably so. There's there's no way that the White Sox, as as fans, the people who are sitting here right now, weren't just incredibly nervous about how far this team can fall through it. You get to this point of the season, the Sox have played the good teams good enough, in my opinion, better than last year. So they did a lot of bum slaying last year in the first half of the season. They built up this divisional lead. Then all of a sudden the question throughout the rest of the year, the narrative was the White Sox can't beat good teams. We're past that point. Yeah. There's going to be some playoff teams that are on the schedule right now. The focus needs to shift to just absolutely fucking pummeling the rest of the AL central. And And that's a far easier task for this team than it going up against the Yankees and the Dodgers and the Red Sox and the Rays and all these other teams that they've already handled. So, you know what, if we want to get mad about, you know, walking this guy on a one, two count, that's fine. This, this that, that absolutely matters in the grand scheme of things. I think a lot of people's ultimate fear is that Tony La Russa is going to take a game out into his own hands in the playoffs, that's going to cost this team run. And that's a viable concern. Even as somebody who yeah. supports Tony La Russa, that's a viable concern that I have as well, because guess what? I'm going to have to get get on this show afterwards and fucking talk yeah. about it. So I'm just as well, nervous then, as everybody else. Then, but at the end of, at the end of the day, I think right now the real test here for this White Sox team, and it's an easier test than what they had to go through over the last month. The real test for this team is go beat up on your division 
get that lead back and run through it. This is this is where it matters. So I will say that I agree. The, the, the methodology here, though, I'm going to get to the methodology of how you do that. It's making a concerted effort, though, because I feel like it was taking a little bit lightly. And granted, you're still easing into the season. There were some injuries at the beginning. Shit, we're still without some guys now due to injuries. But it was some pitiful performances outside of the first series against Detroit handled them pretty well, very beginning of the year. Right. Um, and then you came back and you had some mishaps against KC. You had some mishaps against you know, Cleveland. That's where uh, some really ugly plays started there. So making it a concerted effort to really turn that around. Um, that's going to be huge. And how you do that is by out slugging these teams. So you can negate some walks. You can negate some guys not having their best stuff that day. You can negate some errors. And that brings me to a point here. I've been on this train. Um, I Sockside Mike asked. We have a great debate going in here in our comments. Make sure you subscribe uh, on Tap Sports on YouTube. So you can chime in these comments here. Great debate. You're not debate. Uh, conversation going on here in these comments. Sockside Mike says, can we please finally put Jake, meaning Jake Berger, at second? Scott Moreno responds says, Mike, I agree. We definitely are going to have to live with some errors and double plays and not being turned, but I think his bat is needed. Thank you. I am totally with that, and I agree with Mike's follow-up here. I want Makata's third base D and Berger's bat for second. Boys, that fully sums up what I want to see there, and that's how you get both of them. A, Mankata back in the lineup consistently to try and get him going uh, there uh, to get the offensive production out of his bat, and then you get the defense there, even if the bat's not going right away. And then, obviously, Berger's bat all hot as hell. You keep it in there, and I don't want to hear that Josh Harrison hit a triple today, so he bought himself, you know, you know, X amount more at-bats here. You can still use him sparingly, but right? Just like people had bitched about Lurie's usage from last year and early this year, right? sparingly in the in the utility role and in the, in the guys need a day off a guy's banged up the guy has cramps at the end of the game that kind of role that's how i want to see josh harrison used if they're if he's going to be kept around at all um so that, that's uh yeah we got another comment here boys we have timmy and lance coming back timmy sets the tone and tony i know lance lynn got roughed up in his last rehab assignment start but he said he's ready to be back in chicago next week and I am so ready. I can already hear the ZZ Top ringing in my ears. I cannot wait. You know what? I, I've refrained from listening to ZZ Top all season, and this might be one of the White Sox problems, and that's because we haven't seen Lance Lynn pitch. So once we get back to the gots to get paid days and uh, you know the, the cool and tough sounds of ZZ Top on Lance Lynn Day, I think I'm going to feel better. Uh, it's, it's just going to be a good time. Uh, to see Lance Lynn back on the mound. I'm not too worried about him getting roughed up in AAA. I think that, you know, Lance Lance likes big games. He, there's no way that he's enjoying himself in Charlotte. We know he's a south sider, so we need to get him back on the south side with his team, with the boys, and, and rolling. So I'm excited to see Lance Lynn back. That's all I've got to say about that. No, I am too, and this is all part of things that will, you know, hopefully help this team turn around. It's, it's not a given. Nothing's a given in this league, but – you look at strength of schedule and you look at these guys down here that Sackside Mike has mentioned coming back. Tim Anderson uh, seems to be on schedule. Uh, they said he looked good swinging today. Uh, Lance Lynn obviously made that last rehab start um, down in Charlotte. Those guys are starting to come back. They're single-handedly aren't going to be the answer there, but you may have, uh, Tony, I think you put it best too. Sometimes it's about, you know, who you're playing there and it's going to be some non maybe level of playoff caliber pitchers that you'll see given the strength of schedule down the stretch there, that could help get this offense going because, shit, they need any help they can get to get the offense going consistently. It's just time to build confidence, man. Yep, it is it's time, time to, build. to build the confidence. Yep, so 
All right, Tony, final thoughts from this one. We aired out a lot here on Big Brain Time Socks. Have you got any final Big Brain thoughts to close the uh, episode with? Final Big Brain thoughts. TLR is open to criticism. Bring it. I mean, he's already listened to fire TLR chants. I'm not happy about the decisions that were made today. They led to a loss. I don't think that anybody in that clubhouse does. Sometimes your big brain bites you. It just happens. I, I you know, I, I really don't have much else to say. I think this was kind of less egregious than the than the the rule play that we had a, a, a large discussion on this show uh, last year with the you know bringing runners on second base and extra innings and all that back and forth. It's actually um, funny to think back on that. It's one. it's funny to think back on that one because here we are with like a real heated baseball debate topic, right? Um, I think a more worthy debate here. <laughs> it, it, it is a more worthy debate. And guess yeah. what? Like, here we go on this. It, yeah. It's it's just, you know, unfortunate situation. Uh, Sox end up losing from it. Your manager did kind of contribute to it. And guess what? At the end of the yeah. day, the the voices and the people who support this team are going to be loudest. And I, I, I fully respect anybody who wants to voice their opinions on it. We care about this team. I know you do. We get on this show, we talk about it, we give our opinions, and, you know, at, at the end of the day, the Sox lost. None of us feel good. Nobody that played in the game felt good. I don't feel good. I'm mad. This is just shitty right now. I'm I'm trying to think of ways that it can be better because we're going to be back here talking about it, and I want victory beers again. You know, like, yeah. I want I want to, I want to maximize the victory beers throughout the rest of the summer and have a, a Vaughn gone summer. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. Um, big brain time here. Uh, it's that like you'd mentioned, I think that it, obviously there's no segments in the schedule outside of your all-star break here, but that was the end of your, what real tough stretch, right? Uh, that we had outlined at end of UI. Steve wrote a nice piece a while back at the very beginning, uh, of this stretch. Um, I believe when they first went to Boston, I think uh, it was when, when that whole kind of thing started there. Um, so there's no real actual segments there, but how, how great would it be to just kick off the, you know, easy stretch of the schedule, so to say, by sweeping the Texas Rangers. So I go and I look at our records and they're pretty damn similar right now. I don't know if Texas has to complete a ball game tonight, Tony, but we're right there. I think they were like 25, 28. We're like 26, 29 here, something like that. Um, I would love nothing more uh, than to show them that we are a better team than them because we are and go and look at it. But at the same time, the record says you're about similar right now. Go and prove that this this weekend here at home you know three three games that you know i know you get don't Davis let, Martin don't in game let one, steel but, walker beat you right yeah yeah steel walker so yeah so that, that's all i've got that's all that's all i've got uh for this one uh listeners thank you for tuning in uh we appreciate everyone who uh chimed in on the live stream comments uh make sure you subscribe to on tap sports on youtube so you can get in on the conversation we can pull these up have a nice discussion about it on the socks on tap post game show uh go and find our work at on tap sportsnet.com uh where you can find all chicago sports literature and podcasting needs give us a follow on social media at socks on tap at on tap sportsnet until next time white socks forever white socks forever